Hi, everyone. Welcome back to I've Been Thinking. This is your host, Brietta. You know, one of the things that I love so much about building this audience of creatives and artists and thinkers is that we get to bring people into our world that we may not have interacted with otherwise. And I think you guys are going to really love today's guest. Um, He's a producer, a writer, an actor. He's the ultimate multi-hyphenate. His name is Patrick Ladonis. Um, He has a web series called Scales. It's a show about three friends who continue to face the struggle of balancing both their lives and their careers and relationships with those they love. Um, It's binge-worthy is the word that's been used for it. It's garnered over 50,000 views on YouTube. And so... I think that this is someone that I think you guys are going to be able to not only love, but learn from. He actually hosted the season one and two screenings at the Gathering Spot in Atlanta, which is a community that I belong to. That's sort of how we came um, into each other's universe. Um, But he resides in Atlanta, Georgia. He's a member of the National Academy of Television Arts and Sciences Southeast Emmy Awards. So Patrick, say hello to everyone in my audience. Hello, everyone, and hello to you as well, Brianna. Brianna, I'm so I'm so glad to be here. I'm so glad to be here to talk with you today. Fantastic. I was I was asking you before we sort of um, jumped on the air how you are, and I feel like that's a loaded question these days because the world is changing from moment to moment. So I don't know that people can answer it fully and honestly. But how are you? You know, I can the the someone, and it's it's funny that you say that because everyone has, you know, they say, how are you doing? And how are you doing? And how are you doing? And the best response that I've sort of put together is I say that I'm maintaining. Mm. And I say that I'm maintaining because I'm, I'm not great, but I'm not bad either. And it's, I'm maintaining in response to, I'm here, I'm aware, things could be better, but things are not as bad and recognizing where I'm at at this time and space. So I say, when people say, how am I doing? My response is, I'm, ma- I'm, ma- I'm maintaining, which I think that's kind of what a lot of us, we're, we're maintaining sanity and insanity. It's a, it's a fine line in between, and that's where I'm at right now. Yeah, I can completely respect that. I think I was having a conversation with a friend of mine the other day and she was saying, you know, I'm just trying to balance everyday life, acknowledging that everyday life keeps changing every single day. So, so there's really no way to create like any sort of semblance of normalcy. It's just about being open and present and and responding to life as it comes. And I, I think really to your point, that's really the only way that we can navigate what is truly um, a unique time in the world, Um, especially, I think for all people, but I think especially for black and brown people, we're entering into what I believe is going to be a shift in the narrative around um, how the world sees us, not necessarily about who we are, but uh, around how, uh, how we're sort of, that narrative is crafted in the world around us. Exactly. I I agree wholeheartedly. I feel like that's in, I I definitely, and someone was mentioning this too earlier this morning on TV, how what's happening right now feels very different than Mm -hmm. things that have happened before. Like there's something about this time, it actually feels different. Like I think, or hope 
that this isn't just the um, this isn't the action item that we're gathering or coming together for for this moment in time because of the pandemic that this is actually a revolution of see us hear us we are here and we are not we are we have always we validate ourselves but now it's time that you all validate us by staying acknowledging that black lives matter they've always mattered and right. now we need you guys to get that so 100 percent. Sure. i love that and i i think you i think you hit on a, a really great point about black lives always having mattered i think one of the things that i um read on on social media somewhere which i think is just a fantastic way that i've been trying to frame what it means not just to be a, a black person in this country at this time but to be a, a black artist i think that we are uniquely positioned to be the voices of this particular time because we're by trade we're constantly in touch with humanity you know trying to put human emotions and and human thoughts on stage and on screen i think we're we're a little closer to um to the vulnerability of of showing how we're feeling during this time and so i i, I guess sort of my first question to you is what 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 has your experience been as an artist and a creator sort of how have you found yourself coming to this place as an artist wow that's that's a really that's a great I question <laughs> uh, oh god that's a great question i will say that you know as an artist it's it's definitely it's one of those thing, things where i feel that as a as a as a black man or just a black person in general we're innately creative anyway and we're sort of put in an environment to where we have to be artists because we understand where we are at, whether it's we have to play many roles at mm -hmm. some time, if, especially if you're in corporate America, there's a certain, we learn to character build at such a young age. Totally. So we're already in our acting classes or thinking of creating and writing our emotions and being able to craft those stories that are uniquely ours because we, we as people of color, black people, we have such a interesting story, a story of where we, came from and how we continue to, no matter the obstacles, we always manage to come through them. So for me as an artist, I look at all of those struggles. I look at all of the, the um, just all of the steps that we take to move forward as well as steps sometimes when we fall backwards, but we're so resilient. And so for me being a, you know, a, a, a black man and just, you know, putting even a, another label to it, a black gay man, it, it's sort of like this double thing, you right. know, so <laughs> I, there's so many stories that exist in my head and then so many experiences. So it's like I'm innately a creative and there's so many stories that I have to tell. And mm -hmm. so I'm using, I'm using this moment to think about the stories that I was telling in the past and how do I continue to move forward to enlighten audiences that maybe not exist within the black community that's mm -hmm. even outside of the black community. And so sure. I am continuing for me, I, I meditate, I pause. And that's something that I don't think I was doing as much before I, I'll, I'll say pre COVID. Yeah. I wasn't doing it as much. I was always on the go, like, oh, I got to get this script here. I got to get this plan. I got to get this plan. Mm -hmm. But then the world, <laughs> the world put us on a global recess. We yeah. all went on, it was like timeout, a global timeout, rather. And so I see myself 
now I'm rejuvenated. And I think that for myself and, you know, for you and anyone else, when we have a t time to actually slow down, then the world better watch out because yeah. we're unstoppable. And that's how I feel. I feel like when we emerge from this, we're about to totally revolutionize the entire world creatively. I 100% agree. I think that there's so much of what you said that I absolutely respond to. I think, you know, this was the conversation that I had with another actress who was on the podcast um, a week or so ago. And she and I were sort of having that same conversation where it was like, there is something about this time that feels very different. And I said to her, I think that COVID did have something to do with that. I think the we as uh, as a global community had slowed down enough that people paid attention to the George Floyd killing in a way that maybe globally they hadn't before. I think everyone had slowed down enough to your point, you know, pre-COVID, everyone was working frenetically. You know, I, I know as an artist, running around the, the city of New York, going from audition to audition, pitching this story, trying to get into this meeting, trying to get seen, it was craziness, but it was like the normal. And then literally within a day, everything stopped. And so I think that we're paying attention in a way that we haven't paid attention um, before. But to your point about being rejuvenated and the art that's going to come out of this, I think is, you know, something that I can be excited about. And I think for someone like you, who you produced this, um, this series scales and you have another one, right. That you produced, did you, did you write and produce these works yourself? And they're digital, right? They are. Um, I have, I actually, I've, I've written, I've written, I wrote a short film and it was, it's called Alternative Facts. And then I've written a script called Spades, which mm -hmm. stands for single people are dating everybody stupid. It's sort of a <laughs> urban comedy. Right. And we haven't started shooting it. We're going to start shooting it this fall. And it's sort of like a, it's a semi spinoff of scales, except it's one character that's sort of moving from scales into this uh into this series and it's her by herself so it'll be introducing new characters and it's really about just the dating experiences for um this this young lady and two of her friends from college and it's just we've done some table reads virtually and it's really funny like it's it's really funny. I'm I mean, the title, the title alone, out. the title alone is hysterical. I mean, I love that. And I think, <laughs> and I think, you know, one of the things that I'm particularly interested in when I have someone with your background here on the podcast, you know, you're writing, you're producing, it's going straight to sort of like this digital platform. And I think that one of the things as an artist, particularly artists who would categorize themselves as actors or performers in front of the screen or the stage. I think that COVID and this digital first reality has, in my opinion, really leveled the playing field for a lot of creatives. You know, for most of us, it's been about like trying to get to the places where the work is. And you are someone that is already um, in this sort of new territory of digital work and, and putting your work out there. And I'm just curious. Um, 
when you look at the business of that, how have you navigated your creative work from a business perspective? Because I know so many people are interested in trying to do their own work and produce their own work. What have you found to be really helpful? I will definitely say that research, research is so important in terms of stepping out into this creative space because as much as you know, we both know it, the creativity of it all is amazing, but it's also a business as well. There's a business to this creative artistry that we put out and that we put out for the world to see. So when I started to really outline the steps of releasing scales and what I wanted to do with spades and some of my other projects that I'm working on, I had to research, meaning look at other artists whose careers that I respected, uh, mm -hmm. particularly Issa Rae for what Issa Rae did with Awkwardly Black Girl on YouTube and then it spanned off into the Insecure. So I, I researched as much as I could about what she did and the steps that she took. And one piece of advice that I walked away from all of her research is she said, surround yourself with the right tribe. And yeah. that's kind of what I've been able to do is uh, there's a small creative tribe that I've been working with for the past three years. You know, that's my director and my director of photography and my film editor. We all jailed three years ago. That mm -hmm. was my tribe. And we hit it off. We were t actually we were total strangers, and to see the to see the four of us together, you probably maybe wouldn't think that we'd be together because <laughs> maybe Shirley and I. Shirley Shirley's an African American female, black female. Jacob is Jewish, and Zane is Pakistanian and Indian. So to see us together at a table, it looks may look a little bit off because we all have our own distinctive look. But when we start to talk, there's a collection of ideas and we really gel. There's an energy there that I still can't describe it to this day because they took a chance on me in 2017 when I told them, hey, I want to create this show. This is what I'm trying to do. They bought into the vision of what I was trying to do. And it's been an amazing ride working with them. So I say it's all about finding that tribe. I love that. You know, I the reason why I respond to that is because I've often said that the thing that I love most about being an artist is the collaborative process. I really love the process of having different perspectives, different points of view coming together to tackle something creative. And to your point, when you bring in these very different viewpoints, different experiences, different perspectives, but all channeled towards a similar vision, I think that's where you get the best work. And so I love that um, that idea of finding a tribe of people. And I think, you know, that's one of the reasons why I think the gathering spot is such a great place, um, a, a place where you can find other people who may not be doing exactly what you're doing, but they have that commonality of they're either entrepreneurial or they're, you know, project-based. And so you really are able to sit in a space with other people who are motivated to sort of get something off the ground and, and to your point, maybe find some people that can help you get your projects or your work off the ground. I think that's great advice. Yeah, I mean, it's I, I to this day, I still get really, um, I won't say I get emotional, but it's like, wow, these three people believed in me, didn't know me from a can of paint and right. we came together. <laughs> 
sat down for coffee and it was like we sat down for coffee that was supposed to be a one hour meeting and five hours later you would have thought i mean zane who's pakistani and indian invited he's i've gone to his father's 70, 70th birthday party the whole family just welcomed me introducing me to their culture i met his 90 something year old grandmother like none of this seems real just because again from my own story is somewhat a, could be a sitcom because for years I was in this overly corporate, corporate America, you know, type of guy going to those corporate networking events and suit and tie. And then 2017, just, I'm now this creative jeans and t-shirt. I'm an artist type of person. Let's jail. It's, it's, it's amazing. I, I really love the people that I have surrounded myself with. On you, this journey. you know, it's interesting hearing you talk about sort of making that switch from your corporate, sort of passed into this more creative space. I think that's such an interesting transition because to your point that you made earlier, you know, we we would love to be utopian and sort of focus purely on the creative part of it, but there is a business, it is a business. And so do you think that your history working in the corporate space has helped you understand the business side of the creative world in a way that maybe has been to your advantage? I would say it has because, you know, I, and I, and actually I, I still work in corporate, but it's, I finally embraced my full creative side, which I think has helped me reduce so much of the high intensity that comes with being in corporate, but I think sure. it makes me easier, easier to network with people. You know, I'm, I'm, I can present in front of people and talk and have those one, two minute elevator pitch conversations. And I, you know, I know how to, you know, the HR side of me, I know how to bring people together, which mm -hmm. again, it helps, it helps when you're a creative of a, a, a TV series, web series, however you want to call it, because you have to know how to manage people. And I've managed large teams of people. How do you get these bunch group of actors together and get them to make sure that they are telling your story the right way and how to, you know, as the producer and creator, executive producer of scales, it also comes with the responsibility of, you know, managing the budget, making sure we stay on track with the financial numbers. Also, you know, getting into the room with the advertising, marketing people to um, back in 2018, early 2019 for the launch of season one, we had 10 billboards throughout the city of Atlanta. And, you know, people are like, God, how did you get billboards for a web series? That I says, well, it wasn't as expensive as you thought, as you may have thought, because I know how to talk. Get, right. give, me, give, me, give me five or seven minutes and I know how to spin it to where I ended up getting, because I, I can say this now because it was two years ago, but I got eight billboards, eight of the 10 billboards for 50 bucks. Wow. And they ran for six weeks. That's six amazing. Weeks and they were in prominent areas of Atlanta. Yeah. No, you and I will have I'll, to have a sideline <laughs> conversation about how you, how you manage to do that. That's amazing. But I think, you know, it all goes back to everything that I'm hearing and what you're saying is about sort of that tenacity of like, making sure that you're bringing in a, a team of people that support your vision. I think that's a great takeaway. I think it's also about using all of the skills that you have. I think something that you said that really resonated with me is like so many creatives 
it, you live in multiple worlds, right? Unless you're able to fully financially support yourself with your art, then you are, you know, having your day job or whatever that thing is that you're doing to pay your bills is typically in some sort of non-creative space for the most part. And so I think that a lot of artists think that they have to keep those two parts of themselves very separate. And I, I have found it to be true for myself that when I'm doing my best work is when I'm able to bring all of those skills to the table. And just like you, you know, one of the things that, I, that took me by surprise was how much I loved being a producer. It was not something that I would have ever called myself. Like that was a label for other people. Um, but I really, <laughs> I really loved being behind the scenes and creating the organization and the structure around getting that project stood up. It was, um, it was something that I loved. And I said to myself, this is bringing some of those skills that I've been utilizing in my corporate career into my artist world that is is making me feel a little bit more united and not so splintered in a way that I think is really healthy for a person. Um, and, and, and I think that really is part of being authentic. Um, how do you be authentically yourself in both your business and your work? And I'm wondering from your perspective, you mentioned earlier, you're not just uh, you're not just a human being. You're not just a man. You're not just a black man. You're not just a black gay man. You have all of these parts of yourself. How are you being authentic in your work? How are you bringing your unique self to the work that you do? I think I, um, I, it's all about how you show up. I, you know, one of the things that surprisingly that people still can't get over. One, Brietta, I, I'm an only child. And I think typically there's a, a label that comes with being an only child that you're you're very spoiled or you like to get your way. And I'm actually the total opposite of that. And the fact that I'm a Gemini too, that, that you know, there's these dual personalities. Mm -hmm. And I'm actually the total opposite of that. I'm truly what you see is what you get. And I do, I lead by example. And I also lead in the fact of you treat others as you want to be treated. And so for me, when it, when we were shooting scales, we shot two, we shot, um, we shot season one over two weekends. So that was 60 plus pages of dialogue. And I mean, the pages of script, 12 hour days for just Saturday and Sunday. Wow. And and it was a you know really season one was really really good uh, from you know the quality wise the story was catchy comedic or whatever and it's like well how did you do that or ask the actors how were they you know how was it working on set and they were they will tell you and even others have told me too with Patrick we never had to guess what kind of mood he was in or any mm. of that I was the I was the same way I was the same way I am with you right now as we're talking that's how I am on set because I always feel like if you project that energy and you're treating people the same, you know, you meet people with respect, they'll meet it back with you. And that's just kind of been my thing. And I'm also big on karma. You get what you put out there. Totally. Too. So <laughs> I've always tried to be that authentic person. And again, it, if I had to like label where I really started to practice what I preach, I would go back, not just my childhood, but even probably 15 years ago in a book club, I was introduced to this book called The Four Agreements mm -hmm. by Miguel Ruiz. And it's these four principles. And one of them is, you know, be a person of your word. And I really took to that. And that's kind of been something I lead by example. If I say I'm going to do something, I truly... <laughs> 
deliver on it. And if yeah. I can't, I let people know that I can't. So therefore, it's no, it's no question about my integrity or character of, oh, Patrick's not going to do this. He's shady or something like that. I truly try to model the behavior in which I would like given to me. I love that. I, I I think that, you know, something that you said that I think is such a great takeaway. And it's one of those things where we've probably heard it before, but I it's such an important principle that I think it no matter how many times you hear it, it's super important, which is that idea of integrity. Um and and I think a big part of that, one of the things that I'm often telling either younger artists or people who may uh, you know come to me and ask, you know, what can I be doing to get my career on track or or moving in a certain direction. And I always say that like training is important. You always want to be a student of your craft, you know, building a network, that's super important. You want to make sure that you are um, building a community of people. But I always go back to the integrity, be a person that people can count on. It is recession proof (laughs) in the sense of like people will all people will always find work for you if you are someone that they can count on and Mm -hmm. I think that that is something that to hear that that is a principle for you I think makes so much sense why you've been able to stand up and launch these projects because it takes that level of commitment and consistency in order for people to buy into your vision and 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 want to jump into the deep end with you with with work like that so kudos to to being that self-aware that knowing that that's that's an important thing to have Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I def, I'm a huge fan, a believer and practicer. You practice what, practice what you preach. I yeah. truly believe in that. Well, you know, we talked about it a little bit earlier and I, you know, I can't help but ask um, artists this particular question, but, you know, the way our world is going right now, there's been so much conversation around racial equity, around diversity, um, and, and certainly our sphere of, you know, the artist world, the creative world has not escaped that. And I'm curious from your perspective, do you have any thoughts or ideas about ways that particularly black and brown artists can be united and, and sort of help us move through this time? Wow. That's, that's, I mean, these are some amazing questions. I mean, I feel like I could sit and talk to you for hours. Um, That's, that is, I think that is a, um, that's something that I don't have 100% of the answers to. But sure. when I think about how we, you know, I, what happened to, to me, it's a question of what happened to the, the days of, am I my brother's keeper? And, mm. or am I my sister's keeper, brother and sister's keeper? You know, what, you know, I look back to just, you know, my grandparents era where you truly looked out for your neighbors and their kids. There was such a sense of community. Everyone really looked out for each other. Yeah. I, I think, you know, I, I think one of the things that I think Ryan and TK are establishing with the gathering spot is it's a place where we come together. And yeah. I like to, again, practice what I preach. And I think if what what we're seeing is we're seeing this revolution cause of action calls for action and change from you know these young generation z i think that's what they're called <laughs> and <laughs> millennials or whatnot coming together to 
bring about change. And I think what we have to do is we have to extend that support to them, let them know that we, we are just like they're marching for a, a bigger cause saying, see us, we need to let them know we do, we see you as well. And yeah. that we need to help you. You know, I remember seeing a young kid that was, I was walking the belt line and this was of course before, this was before COVID. And he was like really saying some, not the best type of language about sure. a female or something. And I, you know, I could have kept on going and been like, oh, that's not my, I, that's, I don't have kids. I don't care. Da, da, da. But this was a moment for me as a black man to come to another, a younger black man and say, hey, man, like, what, what's really going on? Why are you doing it? And just, right. I was like, think about if this happened and, you know, showing them the cause and effect you know, cause and effect, that's kind of how I was brought up. You know, my mom always talks to me about cause and effect. If you are in the car with six other friends and they've been doing drugs and you may not have, guess who going to jail when all six go to jail? Right, right. So there's, right. A, there's a cause and effect. And so we talked, we ended up talking for about a good 45 minutes. And I would like to think that at the end of that conversation, there was sort of like this newfound respect with me, with us that happened in that moment. And yeah. he was just kind of like, you know what? He was like, he was like, man, you pretty cool. And of course, he, you know, anyone I feel like that's under 21 probably looks at me and, you know, consider me this hundred year old person, which is totally fine. <laughs> right. But he was, he was receptive to the conversation. And yeah. I was sharing with him just my experiences of, you know, attending a HBCU, being on campus and how you respect, you respect women, you respect black women. And I'm like, your mom's a black woman. Would you want someone saying that to your mom or your aunts or whatnot? And it was, it was really eye-opening to really engage with him. And I think we have to, in order for us to really keep this momentum going globally and for our, you know, brown brothers and sisters is to really listen to them and you know give that res uh, respect because I think that's what the younger people they want to be heard and they want to feel some kind of respect but also let them know hey you know some examples leading by example and I think yeah. that is at least a halfway part to being able to really bridge that gap and to move continue to move forward in a positive I love that. I think that's so great. I think there was a, a lot in there that I think, you know, if someone is really hungry for a way to support, you know, other people, I, I often use this term about like, how do we support our co-humans in this space, right? We're all trying to, <laughs> we're all trying to live this human experience and we don't have the manual and we don't know how to do it a hundred percent. And to your point, not any of us has the answer um, to such a large systemic issue. But I do think that any time that you can center it back to community, and I love how you put that about being your brother or your sister's keeper, um, really getting back in touch with what it means to genuinely care about what happens to people in your community, what it means to genuinely be invested um, in, in not just quote, the movement, but the people of the movement. I think that if, if nothing else, it brings us closer together because, you know, I think we're all having similar conversations, which is this work 
that everyone is trying to do when it comes to equity, um, whether it's, you know, equity in the artistic space, there's been tons of conversations around that, or whether it's equity from a social and racial justice perspective, that's big work. <laughs> and it doesn't happen yeah. overnight. And so we need to be a community that rallies around each other and, and cares for each other. So Patrick, I love that idea. That's something that I'm going to be thinking about, which is why I love this podcast. Because if nothing <laughs> else, it gives me something to think about about being your brother or your sister's keeper i think that's beautiful and, and you know one thing that just popped in my head and i just want to get this out here too um it was probably about two weekends ago i was watching i was i was just flipping through the tv and i think it was on bet it was um i think tyler perry's movie um i think it was a family reunion and mm -hmm. do you remember if you've seen it there's this moment when Cicely tyson I think it's Cicely Tyson. Yeah, it is Cicely Tyson. Mm -hmm. When all the grandkids and all the kids come together and she, and she tells them, love one another, hold each other, pick each other. You're like, And that was such a moment that I was thinking, yeah. this is what we need to be doing. Yeah. You know, it's just like, tell your brother that you love him. And I think sometimes we get so caught up in maybe labels or stereotypes where you don't want to show that kind of emotion and let them know because some people have never been told that someone loves them it's okay to give that kind of communication and emotion to let someone know that they're not alone and that they you know truly mean when someone says hey if you you know need someone or if i can be of help or whatever let's talk about it and see how we can help you know i just feel like that's something that we can't allow ourselves to get away from yeah so that. no that's great well before we end the podcast today i definitely want to give you the opportunity to let people know sort of all of the different platforms and places where they can find you whether that's instagram or any of the other um, mediums so definitely share with our audience some of the places they can find both you and your work Sure. Um, you can check out Scales Season 1 and 2 on YouTube. It's also on the ON channel, which is a streaming platform that is overseen by um, Brian J. White. He was the star of Ambitions. And starting July 3rd, we'll be on reverie.com, -E which is another global streaming platform. And we actually, I'm on Instagram. I am Patrick Ladonis, all one word. And you can find me on Instagram for the show, uh, Scales the Web. And both of those, I am Patrick O'Donis, and Scales the Web can be found at, on Facebook and on Twitter as well. Fantastic. And we'll make sure to get all of those links um, in the description for this particular episode. Patrick, thank you so, so much for joining us today. I had such a lovely time speaking with you. And like you said, I could probably talk to you for hours and hours. Um, but thank you so much for being on the show today. I, I'm I truly mean this when I say I do not take it lightly when people are willing to give of their time and their talents and their energy to share their stories and their thoughts with both me and this audience. So thank you all so much for listening today. I hope that you've enjoyed it. I hope that you've learned something that's making you think a little bit more deeply, that you heard something that's making you feel a little bit more deeply. And if nothing else, that we provided you something wonderful to think about in the midst of your day. So thank you all so much for joining us and I'll talk to you soon. Bye, everyone.